Would you help give a warm pursuit Seattle welcome to our friend, Pastor Jude Fuquay. Don't you guys love Pastor Russell and Marie? I, think, I figured out late this afternoon when we were driving over the 520 bridge, which we've done so many times, that I can't count. Why do I love Russell and Maria so much? Well, he's 37, and I was a youth pastor for almost four decades, and I thought he'd have been in my youth group. And in my mind, I think Russell and Maria were in our youth group, and I trained him, and I'm so proud. <laughs> and so, I kind of feel like a Mordecai, and I'm just checking on a roof daily in the king's court to see if it's faring well with them. And I'm very, very proud. I just need to stop and say, Today was off the charts, epic, otherworldly, beyond anything that I would have thought. And it made my 63 and almost 64-year-old body get very happy. I want to thank you, people of Pursuit, because nothing but faith pleases God. Can we give the Lord a shout and a hand clap? <clears throat> Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Wow, that was so, so good today, hey? Oh, man. Wow, this room's filled. I want to begin to tell you what I'm going to share. I want to begin to share today just prayers of the heart and how to have a distinguished life. I don't know if I am the smartest person in the color box. I'm not the sharpest crayon, but my life has been distinguished. And it wasn't just because of a test score or a job or a ministry. There is prayer, a type of prayer that will distinguish you and make you otherworldly. And I want to begin to talk about that. This building is very sacred to me, almost equally as Kirkland because for 20-something years, we prayed and were involved at the University of Washington. In a moment, I'll tell you the story, but it began with a prayer. And it's so shocking. When we got here in 1992, Becky and I, we just obeyed God. We were in a big faith church, a mega church of thousands of people. And in the 80s, they have a church of seven to 8,000. That was a large church. It would have been considered a meta church. And in 1991, I had over seven offers to be youth pastors at mega churches. One church flew Becky and I out, and they put us in the Hyatt Regency. And I remember thinking, not all motels and hotels are created equal. <laughs> the Holiday Inn is not equal, and neither is Motel 6. I don't care how many lights they leave on for you. It's something about the Hyatt. You feel Hyatt, Hyatt, you know. And this pastor offered me a $100,000 salary, and that was in 1990. And uh, he, I would have had, in the church was 25000 in Denver, Colorado. And we went to the Hyatt. I would have had a, uh, an administrative assistant, a middle school pastor, a high school pastor, a college. It was my dream. And so when I knelt down, I said, come on, Becky, uh, let's pray. I had a call to, for the youth of America. Becky had a call to the malls of America. She could have fulfilled her call for real. And, and so as I knelt down, uh, God said, this isn't for you. He says, in a year... I'm going to send you somewhere where they can't afford you. I need you to get debt-free 
because that is where I'm sending you. In one year, this is way before internet, uh, iPhones, text messaging. You, you're not going to believe me, you guys. They actually had something called a landline. And you were really progressive if you had a landline, but you had the phone that did not have a cord and you could go everywhere. <laughs> Phones actually used to have a cord, which meant you couldn't go to the bathroom when you were on the phone, but with the cordless phone, I remember the first time I went to the bathroom, now the cell phone, people are dropping their phones in the bathroom, you know. However, we had a landline and I was praying God uh, what is it that you want Becky and I to do with our lives? And every time we prayed that within 24 hours, and I want to begin to captivate you right now, there is a type of prayer that will go beyond your IQ, your gift matrix, uh, your uh, dream board. It's God's dream for you. And every time, because I'm a friend of God, let me just say that real quickly, and that's not when I came in the ministry. In 1985, my epitaph, my verse, there's one verse that has shaped me since I was 24, 25 years old. It's Psalms 25, 14. It'll probably come on the screen. And it says this, friendship or the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him or worship him. That is who I am. I'm just a friend of God. And when you're friends, and I don't know about you, I do not tell my whole soul just to anyone. I think that's crazy. I tell my friends to, I mean, my secrets to those I trust and who are my friends. And God will share secrets with you. That's what happened when Russell prophesied a year ago in this building. And so every time we would pray, God, what is it? The landline would ring within 24 hours and it would be Wendell Smith. He said, Jude, I was just thinking and praying. I really think one day we're going to work together. And so it came in 1992 in January and Becky was working at the hospital as a respiratory therapist. And I said, God, what is it? And I kid you not, the phone rang and Wendell said, Jude, we're going to be moving to Seattle. We have no money. We have no people. We have no church. Will you pray about uh, leaving your ministry? By the way, in, we had a ministry of 300 young people. And back then, that was crazy good. A salary. We had two kids. Why would I ever pray about going and work for someone who's not going to pay me, but I'd have to raise my own support? Unless God is in it. And, and so we, I hung up and I said, Lord, can you give me a scripture? And he said, turn to Ezekiel. So I turned to Ezekiel to the chapter and I read verse one. It said, son of man, now get this, son of man, prophesy in the gateway in the city situated on the sea. And I thought, Lord, this is the dumbest verse in the entire scripture. <laughs> because friends can kind of talk that way. And he said, why would you give me this dumb scripture? I'm asking you if you want us to move to Seattle or not. He said, read it again. And that's friendship with the Lord. Son of man, get it, I'll go slower. Prophesy to the city situated on the sea. And said, Lord, this does nothing for me. You're not answering my question. He said, read it again. Son of man. Prophesy, please get this, to the city, in the gateway, in the city situated on the sea. And I'm not the sharpest crayon, so I went, sea, sea, Seattle. Seattle is on the sea. And I didn't realize that Seattle is the gateway to Asia. And then Becky comes home and I say, babe, I have a word from God. We're moving to Seattle. We're selling everything we have. We're going to have to raise support. She goes, I'm not moving on your word. I have to have a word. <laughs> Somebody should clap for my wife. <laughs> Ladies, if you're dating a guy who's still sleeping on his mother's couch, kicking to the curb. You're a woman, get your own word, have your own life and follow Jesus Christ. Come on. 
Most of the ladies and a few men went like that. Now, at the time, I kid you not, Becky was a severe stutterer. He said, turn the page 591 in your Bible or 571 in your Bible. She did. It was Proverbs 1. When her eyes fell on the Bible, it said, uh, uh, it says this, it says, wisdom cries aloud, and get this, and she makes her speech in the gateway of the city. Gateway. Jenny Smith got the exact same word. The Ezekiel Wendell got this exact same word. And we would get the exact same word at least a dozen times. And God would fulfill every promise. And we would sell everything we had and move 2,265 miles to Seattle. And we got here. I mean, LSU is Becky and I's football team. Come on. But something supernatural happened. We had a young man who joined our church. We only had about 20 people when we started. He came from Spokane. He was the manager of the University of Washington football team. That year, in 1992, the University of Washington Huskies were undefeated. They were national champions. And their quarterback was the MVP. And I said, Mike, you said, Pastor Jude, why is this building a miracle? I am telling you. So I kid you not, I said, Mike, go tell Billy Joe Holbert, the MVP, that I said, yo. That was a cool word in the early 90s. It's not cool anymore. And so Mike literally did what I told him. He said, Billy Joe. He said, Pastor Jude says, yo. Billy Joe goes, I don't know, Pastor Jude. So Mike tells me that the next Sunday when we have 20 people and the Oshrams are with us in the Marriott. And I said, Mike, go tell him that it, what if I get hundreds of young people to hear him talk, will he come? He told Mike, yes. I started calling every youth group in this entire region. We got about 500 people. Now, when you run in 20-something people and you get 500 people, you're something. Can you say Amen. Kid you not, Billy Joe Holbert came. He talked for what, 10 minutes? I got up and thought, that's good enough. I'm giving an altar call. And he was one of the people that got saved that night. And I want you to write three words down. I want you to really get this. I want to teach you tonight how to have a distinguished life. And it's not by just any type of praying. It's the way God prays. If you ever begin to pray the way God prays, your life will be distinguished. In everything in ministry, even what you saw in the video and Russell prophesying, everything begins with this. Number one, with a burden. You will never have an effective, eternal, lasting ministry without a burden. And a burden should lead you to birth something. And we'll get there in a moment. Because a burden, it literally moves you where you birth something with God, and then you begin to build. A lot of church planners or young pastors or leaders try to build without birthing, and they try to birth without a burden. If you've never had a burden, you'll never birth anything. And if you haven't birthed it, you can't build it because it's not of earth, it's of heaven. That means your burden has to come from God, not from earth. And when you get a burden from heaven, then you can't shake it. You can get a burden from eating pizza the night before, but when God drops a burden in your heart, you will birth something for God and then you will build on that which you birth. Can you say Amen. And so listen to this, prayers at the heart, and I really mean this, I am a prayer geek, I'm really a modern monk, and uh, prayers of the heart are prayers that are first short and simple. You need to write that down. I think people will pray long, they scare me. People who use too much philosophy, I can't pray with. To me, prayers are short and simple. People say, how did you get your wife? Look at her. She's beautiful. I saw her in church. I had just read, I was a new Christian, that wherever your feet goes, he'll give it unto you. I walked around her seven times. I said, God, I name, I claim. I confess, I possess. I blab, I'm going to grab. Come on. You got to begin to play short 
and simple. I believe when you get too complex, you're just showing the devil you have no faith. The next one, I believe prayer should be unceasing. You're going to think I'm crazy. I pray about everything. Oh, yeah. I pray about parking spots. You say, well, I don't. Yeah, and that's why you always park two miles away from the mall. I pray for houses. I pray for car deals. I pray for everything. You're going to really get mad at me. I pray for my football teams. Maybe Russell will become the chaplain of the Seahawks. Come on. They'll do better. Another one, how about this? Prayers, not only or pray unceasing, pray about everything. A prayer the way God prays. Now, I want you to write this down. I'm going to dial down. What if I told you there is a type of prayer that will distinguish our lives? It will distinguish you. Where would we be established? Where you would be established beyond a doubt? Listen, pursuit. God just opened the greatest miracle for a local church probably in 27 years. What if I tell you there is a type of prayer that would establish you beyond a doubt? Where you would be above and beyond and become otherworldly. I think too many churches are trying to be of this world and not otherworldly. And why? Why would we be otherworldly for the sake of others? This is not for us. There's millions of people who live in this city. Can you say amen? This is the last thing. Our dream board may make us recognized on earth. What if I told you there was a type of prayer that will make your name known in heaven? I know my name's known in heaven. Amen? And you say, what type of prayer? And this is it. It's intercession. Okay? Now, let me tell you. I want you to just dial in. St. Francis, one of my favorite saints, saints, said this. He said, the sacrament of the present moment. There's something about when you're in a now moment and God puts a burden on your heart. If you stop, I don't care what you're doing, if you're driving, you can't stop driving, but you stop your mind and you begin to vocalize that burden which is being put on your heart. Now, God cannot share with one human being all the burden he has for this whole world. Our hearts would explode, but one little eyedropper of the divine burden of God, you will become impregnated with something that is so incarnate, so otherworldly, and when you birth it, it will always overcome, and that's what you build on. Can you say amen? And to me, intercession, and you may want to write this down, is to stand between. Intercession is to stand between God and man. Intercession is to stand in between darkness and light. Intercession is this, being directed and energized by the Holy Spirit in praying for other people. And what happened to me, even St. Monica, another favorite Catholic saint, come on, in the name of the Father, can you do it with me? Come on, let's just try it. It could just be a little bit of Catholic tonight. In the name of the Father and of the Son. Now, you have to go left. Come on, he didn't come from earth to heaven, heaven to earth. Now you know, okay? So in the name of the and of the and of the holy spirit saint monica is the mother of saint augustine who was in a cauldron of perversity said her prayers followed him and it was a result his conversion they said her prayers were traveling prayers i don't know about you but tonight my prayers are going on a road trip and they're going to begin to hit the heart of seattle the heart of everett the heart of the university of washington our prayers have traveling power. Can you say amen? In true story, what had happened when Billy Joe Hobart came, uh, I had been given tickets to the University of Washington, took Jude and John, Jude was three, John was one, and I began to get a burden. And we would begin to pray for the University of Washington. The day would come 
the captain of the football team, Richard Thomas and Ernie Comwell would come to Generation Church, that the captain of the soccer team, Reese Bettinger, would come to Generation Church, that the captain of the basketball team, Chris Walcott, would come to Generation Church. Oh, by the way, and they got saved and born again and baptized in the Spirit. We had so many, Cain Hall didn't just happen that Russell went. It happened with a burden. Then we begin to birth. And after you begin to birth, then you can build on it. Can you say amen? Shout again, amen. Go to this scripture with me. Go to Romans chapter eight, and we're gonna look at verse 26 and verse 31. Likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the, shout it out, himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Come on, who can be against us? I want to tell you when my life changed forever, we had just, first of all, when you have your first baby, isn't it crazy? How many parents do we have out there? How many of you have more than one child? Isn't it incredible? You have your first child, you'll use a whole box of wipes to change him. <laughs> By the third child, change yourself, boy. <laughs> Poor Jake. Jake, don't wipe yourself. You're 30 years old. No way. And when people say, I slept like a baby, they never had one. Babies don't sleep, Megan. Get your rest now. Amen. <laughs> we had just come home with our baby, and Becky was smart. She put me at the outside of the bed, and when the baby would wake up in the night, she'd give me the lower foot of fellowship in the lower part of my back and say, go retrieve your son. So I went and got Jude. I gave him to Becky. True story. And I'm going to read you a scripture in a moment. They're not going to put it on the screen. This, this changed my life forever. You could read the Bible and still remain unchanged. But don't just read it. It's not a normal book. Pray read it. Pray read the scriptures. The ancient call it Lectio Divina. Divine reading. And I was reading this verse, and my life would change. I remember where I was. We had a small home. It was the first home we ever owned. I was in the laundry room sitting on the dryer and the washing machine, and I read this verse, and when I read it, I literally had to get off the washer and dryer. I got on my knees, and I began to repent. And this is a verse that changed my life forever, and it was before I ever got to Seattle. It's 1 Samuel 12, 23. It says here, moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord. How? In ceasing to pray for you. The Lord spoke. He said, you pray for a wife, I give you a wife. You pray for your ministry and I bless you. You pray for a house and you get it. You pray for the parking spot. And he says, and your faith brings you accolades. He goes, I want to teach you to pray like I pray. I want you to begin to pray for people you will never meet. I want you to begin to pray for nations and pastors and neighbors. And when you pray for them, they will not know. No one will know. But heaven will know. And heaven will know your name. I don't want you to sin in your prayers for always praying for yourself. People say, are you a name and claim it? Yeah, I'm a name and claim it. I'm out. I'm telling you. I believe. I blab. I grab. But let me tell you, if my faith only stops with me and my car and my house and my boots and my skinny jeans or my big jeans, can I tell you, then that faith is useless. My faith will be used in the power of praying for another person. And if I can blab and grab for me, I can blab and grab for them. Can you say amen? Go to this scripture. We're just laying a foundation. It says Ezekiel 22:30. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap, that is the intercession before me, on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. Astonishing words. People were praying back then. I found none. Isaiah 59, 16. I'd like you to get this. Say this with me. Say burden, birth, birth, birth build. build. 
Isaiah 59, 16, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. His own righteousness, it sustained him. It doesn't mean people were not praying during the time of Isaiah. They were not praying for others. Go to Isaiah 63, verse 5. It says, I looked, but there was no one to help. I wondered, think of God wondering, being astonished. There, there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me and my own fury, it sustained me. Now I want you to go to one of my favorite scriptures and I wanna be like this person in the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 10. And then this is the last scripture and you're gonna love it. Acts 10, one through five and verse seven. Are you there? You're there? Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Now, if you're single and it's that one, you just got a hookup, amen? That's weird. Okay, here it goes. <laughs> there was a certain man. I want you to underline that. You know what that word certain? It means distinguished. Now, in the Bible, there are many centurions. There was a centurion at the cross. There were centurions guarding the tomb of Christ. There was a centurion who Jesus said he had not found great faith in all of Israel, but you don't know his name. They had many Roman centurions. Only one in scripture has a name. When you begin to pray this way, heaven will record your name and you will be distinguished. Come on. How many soldiers have they been from the pharaohs to Alexander the Great to the Persian Empire to the Roman Empire to the Moorish Empire? Think of it. How many soldiers are known? Cornelius's name is still known today because he was a man man who prayed for others. Here it goes. There was a certain man. He was distinguished. In Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Say that with me. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers, please get this, your prayers and your giving or your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. And when the angel who spoke to him had appeared, Cornelius called two of his household servants, a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. Everyone say distinguished. What had happened when we moved here is so easy to be anointed with at least 200 people. And many people think a building will make them anointed. Trust me, it does not. Today, I saw you on the stage. I didn't know that you sang. I just thought you were one of the staff members. I didn't realize you were a worship leader. And when you got up on the Kirkland campus stage, I thought, I wonder if her voice will be big enough to fill this room. When you started singing, I said, surely it is big enough. And it's not just the sound of a person's voice. It's the anointing that's within the person's voice that somehow she must have been singing in a sheep uh, field when no one was listening that God came and gave her something out of this world on her voice. So when we got here, I was an amazing youth pastor. I really was. You could ask my wife. I was the best youth pastor in America. But when we got here, you try to be anointed in front of five young people. I had five young people. I didn't have a headset or a cordless mic. We actually only had <laughs> mics with a cord on it. I could still name. I'm so glad this happened to me. Too many ministers sing ministry. Oh, if I could just have the opportunity Russell had. No. If you pursued God like Russell pursued God, maybe you would have an anointing like Russell because when you pursue God, you get a burden. When you get a burden, you birth something. And when you birth something, you can build on it. The challenge is too many believers that are Christian leaders want to build before they birth and they want to birth before they have a genuine, authentic God burden. 
And many times we have a burden by what we see, not what we don't see. It's easy to have a burden when you have people before you. But what if you move somewhere and you sell everything and you're not making any money and because you raised your $1,400 of $1,400 a month support. Our apartment was $856. I remember one day Becky and I prayed, Lord, should we tithe? I literally prayed, Lord, my stinking life is a tithe. We tithed. We gave 140, so 856, 140. Then we paid for our health insurance. Shoot, we didn't have national health care. $356. Then she got pregnant because we forgot how it happened. <laughs> Megan, watch it. After you have number one, number two can come because you forget. Sorry, Megan, I don't know why I'm picking on you because I may not see you for four months. Come on. Everyone say birth it. No, no, not now. Please, Megan, my goodness. Kid you not, kid you not, we had five young people, and it's a Sunday night, and I am preaching. And I didn't realize the cord had been off the mic for 10 minutes. This 16-year-old girl raises her hand like this. She goes, excuse me. She goes, the mic cord has been off your mic for 10 minutes. Go, okay. I kept screaming. She goes, there's only five. Why don't you just talk to us? I says, I'm preaching a thousand. Shut up. You want to know how to get a burden? Preach to an empty room. Then you will stop performing for a crowd and you'll start ministering for a God that's in you. Did you not? Same girl. Two weeks later. She, literally, she said that she goes, your youth group is boring. Listen to what she said. Your youth group is boring. Listen to what she said. Your youth group is boring. I said, sweetheart, look at me. I'm 32 years old. I'm not in the youth group. You're in the youth group. I'm not boring. If the youth group's boring, you're boring. Wendell came. I don't tell this story much. Because I don't know if you have an anointing for young people. I said, well, I'll go sell cars because God called me to work with you. He goes, no, I think you'll be an administrator. Oh my goodness, as if. Did something happen? Something happened. We were in a small space in Kelsey Creek in Crossroads. He didn't call me, so he can't uncall me. I didn't get my call in a seminary. I got it in the place of prayer where God gave me a burden and I birthed something and I could build on what God birthed in me. So, I would walk around Sammamish High School five times a week, even on my day off. I would go where the stoners were. Whoa, Messiah fire. I poured oil, communion juice. I would pray. And all of a sudden, I started getting a burden. My ministry would not be based on that which a man or a woman can see. We would start driving before the toll road, thank God to 520 to UW and we walk in Red Square and we begin to pray for fraternities on this street and sororities. Oh, I saw them. Tau, Kappa, Epsilon, Kappa, Alpha, Chi, Omega. 
But then at the end, I would say, Alpha Omega's coming. Kid you not, I'll never forget, they had a man by the name of Greg Johnson. Marlene would have been there. It was a Wednesday night. We didn't even have 100 people. And he came and he said, I don't know why I'm getting ready to say this. He calls me out. I was getting ready to move on from youth ministry, Russell. I'll tell you one of the greatest things. Go ask Wendy and Judah. They thank me all the time. Pastor Jude, we're so grateful you were our youth pastors. And you say, when did it happen? When I got a burden, and that burden grew so large in me, I began to birth something. Greg Johnson says this, the way he talked, you're giving birth to something. You're giving birth, and all of a sudden, I would go home and Rome. You read Romans 8 as a Pentecostal, and you think that just means when you don't know how to pray, you shandai? If that's all you do is Kawasaki tie my bow tie, say your ABCs backwards, you're not going to birth anything for God. When you don't know how to pray and your prayers are hitting a woke ceiling in a godless culture and you're feeling alone, I would rather start a church in a born in Snohomish than a big building in Kirkland. All of a sudden, I had a groan come out of me. And what had happened, Wendell and Jenny went to meetings in Toronto and they came back and they were telling us their experience. And Russell's right. I'm reading through the Bible, my 44th year reading through the Bible. And so I just read, I'm in the book of Numbers right now. And I love this phrase for the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of Testimony. And you know why I like that one better than the Ark of Covenant? It says the presence of God would come on the Ark of Testimony. The presence of God always comes on my testimony. Man, nobody, my wife didn't even know my life epitaph scripture. I knew it. What does Jenny Smith say? She comes to me. Some of the staff were shaking. Some were crying. Connie started getting an Indian annoying. Well, well, she started doing that. And I thought, am I going to karate chop? Am I going to cry? Am I going to shake? She came and all she did is quote my life verse, and she knew it. There's no way she would know. Only God knows. You will know when your burden is from God, when no one else knows, but God, it will touch you. She quoted Psalms 25, 14. I kid you not. You could ask her. My head went to my feet. My arms went out, and I had a groan that came out of me for over two hours. I went in the car and I said, Lord, what kind of, what is this? Where's the scriptural precedent for this? He said, I'm birthing something in you. And I said, can you give me a scripture? He shot it through me, Jeremiah. Who is, get this. Have you ever seen a, well, yes, we have, Megan. Have you ever seen a woman who's pregnant? (laughs) Babe, you got some pickles and peanut butter? Babe, you got some salsa and chocolate? I said, Lord, I need a scripture to see if you're really burdened something in me. I kid you not. He said, who has ever seen such a thing? Jeremiah, a man with his hands on his knees giving birth like a woman gives birth to a child. That happened over and over again. I felt like Pokey and Gumby always bent over giving birth. Becky and I would go to Toronto. That's where she would be healed of stuttering. Man, I got to Toronto. I started birthing. It was like I was birthing an elephant. And I don't know if I went through too many birthing classes. I was a teacher's pet in Lamaze. Oh, I know the three stages of labor. Focus, relax, breathe. But... During transition, Christian, don't push, you'll tear. Too many Christians write, oh my God, what am I doing? (laughs) Megan! (laughs) Oh, that's graphic and gross. Good Lord. Okay, you got to get this, though. True story. 
true story. I, I thought, you're going crazy. You, you've had too many children. You've been... I, I highlighted the birthing manual. I, honestly, I, I still could teach it, probably. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Kid you not, I'm on the floor, I'm groaning, and I said, Lord, is I'm, how long will I birth this? I said, okay. In my head, I'm praying. Because when you're an intercessor, you pray with your mouth, you pray with your silence, you pray with your solitude, you pray when you drive, you pray when you're in your shower, you pray when you're going to work, you pray when you come home from work, and you're not just praying for yourself. If you're a name and claim it only for you, then you're living the most boring, selfish, myoptic life ever. And so I said, Lord, if I'm birthing this, I need a birthing coach. I kid you not. One minute later, a woman from Texas, and women from Texas are scary. She had the biggest hair, it was blonde, and she had a Jesus rhinestone pen. And she came, kid you not, this is what she said, this is how she sounds. She go, baby, focus, relax, and breathe. You're giving birth to something, I'm here to coach you through it. Now, breathe, honey, just breathe. Focus, focus. 30 minutes later, it lifted. Wow. I, I like the old Pentecostals. They used to say things like this. Listen to me. Pray through. Pray through the burden. No, we pray for two seconds, and if we don't see a change, we give up. If you don't have a burden, you'll never birth. If you don't birth, you can't build. I kid you not, on that dirty carpet in Canada, when it ceased, the Lord spoke. He said, you've been trying to build your ministry on you. I brought you here and had you have five kids so you will know that it takes more than one personality or anointed individual. It takes a group of people who have a burden together for the city and will birth it and then I will allow them to build upon it. He said, your ministry will multiply. Within one year, we went from five to over 200, and the day we come, we'd have almost a 1,000 young people. Where's that youth ministry in Seattle? And not only did we have that, we would end up having a Bible college that had over 140 students from all over the world. We'd have over 200 small groups. You said, what happened? What was the change? What seminar did you go to? Did someone spit on you? Did someone breathe on you? Whose shoulders did you stand on? Nobody's. I got a burden from Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, there were hundreds of us before Kane Hall ever happened. We would come and we would pray for the University of Washington. Oh, they thought we were just fans at the football game or the basketball game. No, we were secret Shandai praying intercessors. Can you say amen? I think the greatest thing today in Kirkland is to see many of them that were there. And they were 16 years ago, but now they're 40 fat and bald. And they're saying, Pastor Jude, you look the same. I'm going, you don't. I'll pray for you. One young man came up to me today. He said, Pastor Jude, I've lost my hair. I go, no, you haven't. You're on the regrowth plan. It's growing in your back and your ears and your nose. Can you say amen? Everyone say Burton. Say birth. It's something about birthing something from God. Listen, when God does something, he uses the womb of a human being. Okay, think about it. My ministry was dead as Sarah and as powerless as the body of Abraham. And I thought it was all that, then some in a can of Pringles. But in that moment, the greatest thing that ever happened to be in youth ministry is I started with five young people. And I want to tell you their names. I will never forget their names. If you can't preach to the one, you will struggle preaching to millions and billions. Wendy Smith, 
Judas Smith, Carla Adams, Christy Adams, and Mike Smith. And Carla is in heaven, but all serve Jesus and are involved in the local church 30-something years later. Why? It started with a burden. It led to birthing. Then we began to build on it. I'll never forget just coming here. It was we, this is before we got this building. And you say, how did this building come? We would take our Bible college students. I'll never forget, it was rush week. And in Red Square, they had all the fraternities and sororities. And I said, come on, guys. I said, why don't you preach? Just start preaching. They're yelling. They're saying obscenity. All the students kind of got cowardy. And I felt like the Lord said, you preach. And so I said, okay. So I went right up to this fraternity's table. I said, do you mind, may I say something? Go, yeah, man, sure. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, give me an idea to get everyone's attention. Classes were changing. They had hundreds in Red Square. I began to sing. Buddy, you're a young man, hard man, playing in the street, gonna be a big man someday. You got mud on your face, big disgrace, waving your banner all over the place. Sing him. They started singing just like you're singing. They go, yeah! They thought I was a drunk fraternity alumni. They say, can I say something? Can I stand on your table? So I did. I said, you see the sun out there? The few days it was out. I said, they say in this university there is no God. They teach you that in your classes. But if there is no God, if there is a sun, who's the sun maker? Starbucks has a Starbucks maker. Boeing has a Boeing maker. Microsoft has a Microsoft maker. If there's a sun, then someone had to make it. There is a God. I started preaching in that day, hundreds got saved. Can I tell you pursuit? We are moving. If you mean revival or die, it means you have to have a burden because you will not die if there's not a burden. And if you have not birth, you will kill the child, ignore the child, reject the child if it's not your child. People say, Pastor Jude. Mark Driscoll asked Wendell and Jenny this probably about a year and a half before Wendell went to heaven, in the green room, Kirkland campus. How can it be Wendell going through what he went through that one of his associates did not start a church down the street? I could have. When I moved on from youth ministry, three wealthy, wealthy people said, we'll buy you a building. You must feel what I'm saying. You want this city? It comes with a burden. It comes with birthing. The Bible says in Isaiah, can a mother forget the son of her womb? You know why many churches cut people off left and right? Because they never birthed them into the kingdom. That day, those men, I was 42. I, I wanted these people to have a home, a church. I went in the back parking lot of Kirkland campus. Don't make prayer cute and don't use it selfishly. You could have your dream board and you could have your prayer list and you could check it all off and get it and still not make. Uh, I am going to leave a carbon footprint of Christ in my day. But for me to do that, I have to have God come like he did in Sarah, birth something supernaturally in the womb of my spirit. How about Rachel? How about Rebecca? 
How about Hannah? How about the virgin? You know what? I want to ask you something. If there was a first Adam, who is the last Adam? Jesus, if you don't know. I just gave you the answer. If there, Adam could not reproduce and obey the commandment of Genesis unless he had an Eve. He could not produce by himself. And then there's an Eve. If there's a first Adam and a last Adam, and if there was a first Eve, who is the last Eve? I believe it's the church. But with the church has rathered her womb of her spirit to become dirty and filled with others instead of becoming empty and trust God to come and have the Holy Spirit overshadow you and to eburse something of heaven in you. One of my favorite phrases in Genesis 1, they produce after their own kind. I have good looking kids. Their mother's good looking. You say, Pastor G, why didn't you have a girl? I don't know. Maybe she should have looked like me. That is scary. Everyone say birth. Say Burton. Now listen to this. True story. I went. I don't share this much, but you need to hear this. Because let me tell you what happens when you go to Kirkland. At new levels, they're new devils. And what does the devil do? Hear me. When Moses is getting ready to be born, an edict comes out from the government of the time. Kill all the babies. When Christ is being born, what is the same edict? Kill all the babies. I think pursuit is going to become like Rachel who weeps for her children but refuses to be comforted. What does Satan do? He comes to try to miscarry or destroy it. So I'm in the back of the Kirkland parking lot and said, God, true story. I moved on from youth ministry. I had prepared it for Judah. It was there. And I'm in the back and they offered, I can name their names. You may know some of them saying, They'll buy a building. We could start a church. Our youth ministry is known. And the Lord gave me one scripture, a passage out of Kings, where they had two women and one baby. And Solomon said, divide the baby in half. And the Lord said, it's their baby. But you help birth it. Let the baby live. And you know why? That's the difference of someone who's trying to build something for God. But you never had a burden and you never birthed anything with God. God wants you to birth something with him before you build something for him. Is that settling on you? Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't regret it. I don't regret it because I realize that I would rather help birth with a team of people something that outlives and glorifies the name of Jesus Christ than build something that dies with me. First time I came back in this building this summer, I went in the green room and they had a plaque that said City Church. I wept. Because we helped birth. This building didn't create us. We drew it to us because God had created something that's bigger, more powerful than the University of Washington. Where's intercessors today? Where's prayer today? You go to conferences, how to increase your reach, how to have more followers and likes on Instagram. When's the last time we heard a sermon 
on standing in the gap and praying. Have you ever thought, what is the Father doing right now? What is the Son? What is the Holy Spirit? Well, Romans tells us for sure, is it God who condemns you? Is it Christ, his Son, who died, who was buried, who rose, who sits at the right hand of the Father? Get this, whoever lives to do what? Preach? Oh, oh, that's good. Oh my God, that was a good one. I was at a huge youth conference, 20-something thousand in Australia. Planet shakers. They had a friend of mine who preached off the charts. We couldn't even take notes. We stood up the whole time. He came back into the green room, and he said this exactly. Hear what he said, and this is how he said it. I was born to preach said it so many times it aggravated me. I was born to preach. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say, shut up. Actually, this is what I said. So-and-so, and we're friends, you were not born to preach. Because if you were born to preach, you will preach in heaven. And how will your sermons work when the living word comes out of the bosom of the Father? In the beginning was the sermon. The sermon was with God. The sermon was God. You think you're going to out-preach that? No. You were born to worship. You were gifted to preach. Get it in order. You know what Wendell used to say? Wendell said the worship leader was the lead pastor. That's why when Wendell came into church, he didn't talk, didn't look at a Blackberry, didn't look at his iPhone, he worshiped. Because we're created to worship. And it's in worship you get a burden. It's in worship where you birth. It's in worship you get a blueprint. Come on. I don't know about you, but I read it for the 44th time in the Old Testament. Build according to the pattern. You can't build any old way. And we can't build the pattern if we haven't birthed the life of God. And the birthing comes through a burden. So, I ask you, what is your burden? Have you had a burden lately? Today, yesterday, my heart is beyond overflowing. Flow. Thank you. We showed up with a burden. Go talk to Paul Chase. Over 40 something years in the Philippines. Most of them don't make it two years. God knows not five or 10, 44. Why? Started with two hippies, Shadi and Paul. Got a burden in Tulsa, probably. That's a place to get a burden. And then they birthed it, and then they built it. How about the Ostroms? A young girl and her husband get on a ship. Her mother had just died. Two years later, three years later, her father and sister are killed in a plane crash. They come back to settle the estate. But did that change their burden? No. They would end up going back to the Philippines every year in many nations. I think Tom went to over, what, a hundred and something nations. Why? A burden. If you have changed your ministry because a church hurt you, you had no burden. If I hear one more person cry in my ear how they were hurt by the church, can I tell you something? You've hurt people in the church. Okay. I'm not going to deal with you. Sorry, I'm going to deal with me. I have. Did I mean to? Yes. No. (laughs) Not really. But I have a burden. And I'm not going to have human beings who are dysfunctional and broken stop the burden that God has given me because the test of a burden is when you're offended, when you're hurt, when you're neglected, when you're looked over, when you're not promoted, when you're let go, you still have a burden. I still can't drive by a high school and not cry. I still can't come on this campus and not be moved. I still can't come into this building and not be moved. I cannot go to Kirkland and not have a burden. I help birth it. I focus, I breathe, I relax, and we birthed it in Jesus' name. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? You know what pursuit I think God wants you to have a men's ministry second to none? The men in the Northwest need to be set free. And it's not gonna be by some cheap ministry. Oh, what is the ministry they all have a burden for? Let me tell you, the marketplace. Yeah, the poor people trying to get with the successful people trying to become successful. That's using the ministry. Are you with me? Come on, I've been around this too long. You'll know when you have a burden that you're broke and you keep going at it, keep going at it, and then you birth it with God. Then your business can be built. Then you get everyone's attention. Did you hear what I just said? We're going to call the keys up, the band up. You can be seated. I'm going to end. Everyone say burden. Burden. Say birth. You know what's something? Russell's boy. Son, you have a future. Your eyes are bright. You have the countenance of David of old. You could be in a sheep field and go overcome a lion and a bear. You'll know when you birth something when it's birthed in your own family. I have three sons. I'll never forget what my Jake said to me. At Bellevue Christian. Bellevue Christian. So elite. Cost me $30,000 a year to put my kids in that school. It was $3,000 a month, and I only made $2,000 a month. So how did you do that, Faith? Don't make church your source because they're not. Because when they don't pay you what you think you should be paid, you're going to get bitter. Trust God. I'm not bitter. I was happy. Why? I had a burden. I went to first grade class. My Jake was in the first grade class. They had a man whose son, whose grandfather was a federal senator. He played in the NFL as a quarterback. The boy's father played in the NFL, was a quarterback for the Seahawks. So this kid gets up. He was Jake's best friend. I'll never forget. He's like that. My dad played for the Seahawks. My granddad played NFL. When I grow up, I'm going to be a football guy. They had another young man who was in Bill Gates' inner circle in Jake's class. He got up, he says, my dad makes a lot of money. He works for Microsoft. When I grow up, I'm going to be a Microsoft guy. Another, kid you not, voice of the Mariners on Fox News was a catcher for the Yankees and the Mariners. We're very close to their family. Gets up, his child, my dad's a baseball guy. When I grow up, I'm going to be a baseball guy. Jake gets up. I thought, dear God, what is he going to say? I was, at one point between my junior and senior year of college, a sweeper at Knott's Berry Farms. I thought maybe you'd say that. <laughs> By the way, right out of college, there's over $100 million worth of accounts with Procter & Gamble. I actually have a degree in business. What did Jake say? Prayer to me is not cute. It's my breath. It's my secret sauce. So, Wendell, too, ask them. Wendell and I never argued. Worked for him for almost 20 years. A praying church will be a peaceful church and a unified church and not a divisive, strifeful church. What did Jake say? Cool, isn't it, Becky? Becky could have married anyone. She was a university cheerleader. She chose a scrappy, eccentric, skinny guy who's a monk. This is what Jake said. My dad 
he was so confident. My dad gets up before the sun is up and he prays. And when my dad prays, things happen. And when I grow up, I am gonna be a prayer guy. Go ask Jensen Franklin, who Jake worked for for nine years. Go ask him about his anointing. Go look at my son Jude. He has probably about the largest youth ministry on the West Coast, if not the nation. Go ask Dave Patterson at the Father's house. Can I say prayers that have a burden that move into intercession? That is when you begin to birth. And it's the greatest sacrament ever. I love praying for the nation. I I'm a political prayer person. You will never know, but I know how to get people into office. We are always hearing how they harvest this and harvest that and they steal election. Come on, church. We are going to pray until God changes our nation. Is there any party that's bigger than God? Is there any president greater than God? Can God not cause the wheels of the chariots to fall off? Can our God not drown him in the Red Sea? Come on. Sammamish High School, remember, I'd walk it. Say, God, I need one person. I can't even be the youth. I can't visit the campus. The next year, the neo-Nazi punkers at The Rock doing drug deals all came to our GC camp and 17 of them got saved. There was a night, 38 of the football team came and got saved. I am ready for Google to get saved. I am ready for Amazon to get saved. I am ready for Bellevue to get saved. I am ready for the east side to get saved. I am ready for the Puget Sound to get saved. Come on! Uh, I'm birthing something. I got my hands on my knees. I may be eating funny so I don't watch Netflix all day. I'm pregnant. I'm focusing. I'm relaxing. I am going into a stable to birth the Christ in a modern world. Come on! How many of you want a spirit of intercession to come on you? Raise your hands. Holy Spirit, now. Ho, 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 I just heard this. There were prayers that were prayed in City Church for over a decade that blind eyes would see, deaf ears would hear, cancers would be healed. One year after Becky finished chemo and she was healed, God says, I now want to use you to pray for people with lymphoma. Paul, I told the Lord, you have the wrong person. Go get someone else. He said, no, I've got the right person. Now in my journal, there's 10 people that have been healed of cancer. I believe cancer can be healed. I believe multiple myeloma can be healed. I believe diabetes can be healed. I believe cystic fibrosis can be healed. Come on. <laughs> 